found out yesterday And I'm in love and I don't know what else to say But thank you Lord for that sundress on that Saturday Walking barefoot down the beach Smell of the rain up in the air Smell of flowers in the air And I swear on my life If you need a joke, I'll be there You need a smoke, you take my spare I always thought you were far So what do you say when we're 26? Get married just for kicks and move out to Alaska way up there Get a job stacking bricks Stay at home with the kids and I'll bring the bacon back home to you girl Making the best of this world Perfect. So um, let's get right back into this. So for those listening, we did a part one. This is now part two. Uh, really, again, appreciate the fact that you're willing to just hop right back in and, and get right to it. Um, so I'll start the vulnerable aspect of this shrooms uh, uh, adventure that I think we both have uh, gone down. So my first time was 21 i want to say mm -hmm. um my most recent time was i did a back-to-back -back about six weeks ago okay um a one weekend 
and I felt there was still more to conquer. So I, I did it again. Um, I'm a, I'm a big boy though. I'm, I'm about 5'10", probably 220, 225, kind of like an American running back built. I don't know if you watch American football being in Canada, but you know, you know, mm -hmm. what a, you know, football players, yeah. uh, kind of like that built. Um, so I can, I can usually take a lot. So I do, you're probably gonna be like, Oh shit, man. I do like maybe like six grams. Oof, that's almost like a hero dose. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot. I do. I do a hefty amount. I want to, I want to go all the way there, but, um, yeah, so those are my most recent times. And then funny enough today, uh, I had a friend call me who I did it with recently, a, a few months, a few weeks back. And she was saying, I, I think we need to, I think we need to go down a road again. Um, and, uh, and, and we, we looped another friend in on a, on a three-way call and, uh, we were just talking about how we were going to set up the aesthetic and, you know, I think we were thinking about doing it a little bit more in, uh, the springish weather, um, talking about a few aesthetically pleasing places we can go and certain topics we want to cover. And, um, so that for me, I'll just start it off that way. I am very, very intrigued, experienced. I think I've done it maybe 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 eight times <laughs> um definitely down to doing more and i'll pause there I'm, I'm i'm fascinated to learn about kind of your same kind of like just you know the the the, the moments and when you've done it and then we'll get into maybe some stories and and why i think it's connected to what we were talking about in part one yeah i'll i'll open up the door for a couple of different ways i did it for the first time when i was 16 which was way too young. And it's not something I think I would recommend to anybody. So I had a, some really bad experiences on it, but I've also had some really incredible experiences on it. And I'm wondering which angle you want me to go, what direction? I, I think, uh, sorry, there was a delay there. I think, I think what I want to do is, I want to hear both, right? Because I, I think to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, one of the biggest things that I personally talk about when I do shrooms is any, any skeletons in the closet, any, any things that I know for a fact, I'm not ready to conquer and tackle and face. I, I call them out in the form of a, I do different things. I send emails to myself. Mm -hmm. I open up my notepad and my iPhone and I write notes to myself. And then I also, um, if things are really fucked up, I actually have sent like myself, like voice memos. So I think, and then I'll start ranting and, and you can go into both directions if you're open to it. I think for me, if you don't do that and you don't face your fears ahead of time, you can get yourself in a really dangerous spot where those demons will find their way out. Right. Because when you're, when you're in a shrooms world, which I joke around and say, it's the real world. And that's a whole nother <laughs> thing you can talk about. Um, it's, it's a clean, direct access to all the emotions. Like there's no, there's no running. So, um, give me, give me both, but that's, that's my perspective on, uh, on, on the good and the bad of it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I got some directions we can go with here. So let's start with when I did it when I was 16. So I, I was never really into drugs, hanging out with, um, like some pretty good, uh, like a pretty good crew of guys and they were getting into some psychedelics because their older brothers I think we're in their early twenties had been into it and they had, they had done it a couple times and I had no experience with drugs. So this, this story is basically a what not to do. And it lands exactly in line with what you're saying about like the skeletons in the closet. 
So in, when I was in high school, I was quite miserable. I don't think I realized it in the last part of talking about living a life by default and not by design. I remember being very reactive and I wasn't very happy, but I wasn't very aware of it. When it came to the shrooms, I got together with a couple friends and, you know, we'd smoked weed once or twice, but never done shrooms. So uh, I was in the backseat of a truck and I ate, I think it was three grams and it hit everybody else like an hour later, but it hadn't hit me and my friend yet. So we looked at each other and we're like, maybe we didn't eat enough. So we ate another three. So I'm 16 years old. I've never done any psychedelics and I, I'm not in a very good place in my life. And I just did six grams of mushrooms and it all just hits me like insane, like at once. And it was some of the darkest times I think I've had in my entire life. Like I remember being so confused and that like just about life and about what I, it's so hard to explain because this type of psychedelic experience is really hard to put into words. The best way I could word it was I didn't even realize how miserable I was until I did those drugs. And those drugs basically snapped me out of a trance. And it was almost like it gave my conscious mind access to my subconscious mind. It's like there, there's some stuff going on back here. You're not happy. This, this is good. Yeah. You want to hop in? Yeah. Let me pause you right there. Cause that's exactly actually the best definition of what I mean when I say, the real world versus the fake world, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you were able, like you said, there was just a clean, direct shot to your subconscious is actually what I mean when I say that. So I just wanted to jump in and, and kind of call a little, call a little, uh, little indication to that. Cause that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, precisely. Like when you say you either like, poof, when it comes to like self-help and working on yourself, I would say that if you don't, when you do the shrooms, it doesn't give you much of a choice that's one of my experiences with mushrooms was it, it almost like it, it's in control and it takes you on a journey. It's like, you need to see these things about yourself. Like here's what you need to do right now. And sometimes those are good journeys and sometimes they're bad. If for me, they've always been very introspective. I've never been the kind of user where I'll take them and all of a sudden I'll end up like out with my friends somewhere in like a forest, having fun, embracing nature. I personally haven't had any, trips like that all of mine have been i take them and i really get in my own head and i just sit there and have to confront all my demons and it just brings them right up to the center which sounds like an awful experience and some of my bad trips are some of the darkest moments to this day that i've ever had but in hindsight i will say this when we talk about how th these drugs can be like medicines and they can be healing those are some of the darkest moments of my life but they've also provided me an immense amount of gratitude for everyday life. When you do a trip like that and you go, you get access to say your subconscious mind and it is so dark and there's no other way I know how to explain it aside from like imagining like a complete feeling of confusion and hopelessness and like the darkest feeling of, that I've ever experienced in my life. When I came out of it, it gave me such an appreciation for just everyday life. And I'll never forget this. I wrote this down the first time I did shrooms and all that I wrote on a piece of paper was sober is the ultimate high because when you're sober, you can accomplish anything. Like what a weird thing to like come to the realization of on drugs. I remember being so messed up and in such a bad place. I'm like, I right now, if somebody called me and said, Hey, like your brother is injured, you got to come and help him. Or there's an emergency. We need you to get home. I'm like, I'm not in a position to do that right now. And that was like a really interesting realization. And 
there's just weird moments that you have like that, where it gave me an appreciation for just like everyday life and that things, you know, aren't quite that bad. It really unlocked my subconscious mind and showed me that there was work to be done. And if I had never done those drugs, I don't know if I would have ever been put on the self-improvement direction. I don't, I don't know what would have snapped me, uh, quote unquote, what would have snapped me out of the matrix if those drugs didn't do it. Let me, let me ask you this, because this is what I've also been saying, because that's interesting you say that. Let me ask you this. When I say that, when I say that, because, you know, and, and you know, there are studies that have talked about this and they're, they're from what I think and what I've heard, I want to say there's like literal like centers and places where people can go and do microdosing of shrooms and, and, and medical staff are there to some degree to kind of just keep an eye on you and like you can like facilitate your thoughts and like organic foods and like I've, I've heard of these like places where you can go to like just unpack some shit in that world but let me throw this at you because this is really what I'm also saying when I say that the the shrooms world potentially is the real world mm -hmm. and this is the fake let me let me throw this at you mm -hmm. because it's not that I don't just it's not that I disagree with the you know the sober ver the world that that quote that you just outlined mm -hmm. but when I'm when I'm indulging in shrooms in the moment, a couple variables are non-existent. Um, judgment of others. Mm -hmm. I have extreme empathy, like extreme. Mm -hmm. um, extreme levels of patience. Um, I'm incredibly introspective. I'm also, I'm also very brave with my I'm, I'm more brave with my thoughts and I find others that are around me that have good trips are also very brave and honest with their thoughts, but they, but they deliver it again with a level of empathy and kindness that it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't cut through the, it doesn't, because here's what I'm really trying to say, dude, like, like, I feel like in this world, right? Like in the world we're in right now, there's, there's perspectives of there's, there's perspectives, there's fear, there's lack of empathy, there's anger there's anxiety constantly bouncing off of each other. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about like, like if we just step back and really think about real life here, there's, there's, there's constantly, again, like I said, anxiety, pain, fear, depression, um, judgment, um, lack of clarity, all of those emotions and perspectives and paradigms are just consistently bouncing off of each other and just bouncing off of each other and just hitting against each other. And so when you have a, a weird altercation in a restaurant, you have a weird moment with your coworker, if you have a weird moment with your fiance, if you have a weird moment with your friend, or a weird moment with your, with your dad or your, or your uncle or your cousin or your best friend, it's because they're on like four different tracks mentally. They're pissed off about something. They're confused about a deal that didn't go through. They're, they're, they've been turned down for their 12th job in a row. So all of those things are playing in their mind, but then you're on a completely different track where you are ready to be empathetic. You are ready to just have a good conversation and a good mode and a good energy. And, and so what I find is that what I just said is quote unquote, what happens in this real world or fake world, whatever you want to call this sober world, but in the shrooms world, if you're having a good trip, for me, what I've noticed is when I'm with a small group of human beings, even when we say something that in the normal world's AKA the sober world could be perceived as negative or could be perceived as 
egotistical or could be perceived as rude, we receive it like we're, like empathy cuts through so fast and love cuts through so fast. It's a world that I'm wondering, is that really what we're supposed to be? And we're just clouded by all of these paradigms and perspectives and just negative shit just bouncing off of each other because I'm, I'm, I'm the, the shrewd world just seems so much more clean if that makes any sense at all when you're having a good trip that is yeah like that's a perfect preface for me to talk about like a good trip that I've had like I've done trips um with my friends we went to a music festival and I, I was probably like 21 or something and we all did shrooms together in like a gazebo type of like bug tent thing and it was one of the best trips I've ever had in my life. And I, there's exactly what you were describing, which is making me realize I need to get more clear at describing what it's like to be on psychedelics. That was a very good way of describing it. Is I remember feeling exactly that. There was random strangers who would come by and just be like, hey, what's going on over here? And we would always invite them in, like no judgment. It's like, hey, just come on in. Like we accept you, like come chat with us. And we would just, we hung out and talked. And believe it or not, we actually talked the whole time while we were high about you know, what could we accomplish? Like if we really put our minds to it, we could accomplish anything. And there was no judgment. And anytime that anyone said anything and they're like, oh, like, I don't know how I feel about this. We just had nothing but empathy and acceptance for them. Almost like um, like a personality dimension that you, you become so much more open to people who are different from yourself and more accepting of them instead of judgmental. Like the mushrooms does a really good job at helping to eliminate judgment. And I think that that's something I've taken away from mushrooms into my like sober life is I definitely would say that I'm more empathetic towards people more time. Like I try to be more accepting because we all have our biases, of course, um, towards like different, um, different types of people, but the mushrooms really stripped me of that judgment and that initial like disagreement, like, no, I don't agree with you your wrong factor. And it, it helped me, I would say in a lot of ways, it really helped my social life actually for that reason, being able to connect with people on a deeper level. So I, I completely resonate with everything you're saying. Yeah, man, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird beast. Um, and you know, the, so when, when's the, when's the most recent time you've done it? I haven't done it for quite a while. I, I used to do it like every week when I was in high school or every payday. Oh, so like me and my friends would do it every two weeks. And uh, I, I got a lot of that kick when I was younger and to the point where I actually got a little worried I was going to go too far. This is personally like a little bit of a fear of mine is I know some people who have dove into psychedelics like a lot, like 10, 100 times more than me. And they have that like openness and that spirituality like to an extreme that I don't know if I ever want to get there. Like I, I feel like what we're talking about can almost go a little too far where the people detach from reality and they just, they don't see the world for what it is anymore because they've just done so much drugs. And I started to feel like I, I might be on the cusp of like doing too much. So I, I think the last time I did it was, and I don't even know if I can remember. It's been years. Like I did it a lot when I was younger I started experimenting with LSD and acid more in my, I'd say maybe like mid twenties. And I actually enjoyed it more than mushrooms, believe it or not. But it's been a long time since I've done it. I can't even remember the last time I did it actually. Let me ask you this, because that's interesting you say that. Could you, could you do acid in public? Yeah, I did actually. Uh, I could, no, 
is it good to do like 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 walk me through acid in public? Yeah. When I say public, I mean more than like ten people around you. Yeah, the way that I way that I would describe it, which this isn't original to me, but there's been people that have said, you know, mushrooms is like you're on a plane and you're in the passenger seat, and acid is like you're the driver. And I, I thought that was interesting because it's one thing that I after doing a lot of mushrooms. I, I got, got a little scared before I would do it because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where this drug's going to take me. Like, is it going to want me to sit here on the couch all night? Is it going to want me to go out? Am I going to have a terrible time? Am I going to have like the most euphoric, like anxiety, um, like ridden, most peaceful time of my life? And it was so unpredictable. Acid to me was like, um, it was almost like seeing life in high definition. It was weird. It was like I was high on mushrooms, but I still had all the control of being sober. Hmm. That's interesting because I, I so I've done acid twice and I felt that acid was a little bit more uncontrolled. So you felt shrooms, you felt shrooms, you just had to, like you said, you felt shrooms, you were not, you were the passenger in the flight and you don't know where the destination is and or was and how far you were going to be going, but you felt with acid, you were a little bit more in control of it you were driving the plane yeah 100 percent. that that was my experience with it it's interesting to hear you the opposite experience yeah that's interesting bro um and so when you did it so when you say you had the control and you did it in public you felt like give me the give me the give me more of the fun stuff too like physically you felt on the acid more vibey, more energetic than the shrooms, I think is very introspective and, and mental. Yeah. The shrooms I find is extremely introspective. The acid for me, and it might've been because I didn't do a lot of it. I, I, I was very careful because I had done so much mushrooms in the past. I knew what like doing too much could do. So the, the acid to me, we kept it pretty light. I don't remember how much we did, but it, it wasn't the, an insane amount of acid. And we went down to the beach and I remember being able to feel, it was like clarity, almost like, um, like how our attention is kind of like a lighthouse. If I'm, if I look at a wall and I'm like, what color is it? I'll just focus on what the color is. But when I was on acid, it was like everything hit me at once. I could, I had just worked out and I could feel how sore my body was, but it didn't bother me. And I was very aware of all the sounds around me and the people around me and their energies and their vibes and like the smiles on their face. It was almost like all of life was unfiltered and it was just coming in. And like, I was seeing everything in high definition, very clear. My mind wasn't blocking anything out. It was just all coming in at once. That's very interesting. So if I had the opportunity to get acid in like the next 24 hours, you would recommend not 24 hours. I apologize. There's a, there's a long story short. I have a dear friend that's, um, she's traveling to Spain for eight months for work mm -hmm. and there's, she's throwing a going away party. So you would do sure you would, you would do acid at that party. I, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't do a whole lot. Like, I, like you'd be okay. Like you, you'd be okay. Yeah. Like I'd be okay with that. If, if you were like, Hey, you want to do shrooms and go to this party? I'd be like, dude, absolutely not. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Can you do you, when you do acid, do you just do the acid or do you smoke on it? I just do the acid no other no other substance enters your body 
No, I, I've uh, I've mixed like weed and mushrooms before, and those were some of the worst times of my entire life. Those did not go well for me, so I, I don't I don't mix stuff anymore. It's crazy how like it hits everyone so differently. Well, that I mean that's the thing, right? The 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 mind and the body and the brain. It's it's a it's a it's a it's, a, it's an interesting fucker. Like man, I'll tell you like a really extreme uh, story. I've had like ego deaths on mushrooms. Like it to like those are some of the most. Um, I want to say humbling experiences I've ever had, if not like the most humbling was I've done like so much to the point where I actually was like ready just to take my own life. Like not because I, it was such a bad trip, but because I was at like so much peace with the moment and nothing else. Like I was just so peaceful and I just felt like I was one with everything. And like my ego had completely slipped and it was like really painful to let it go but it was like, there was no more me. And it, that's a really weird thing to hear. Like when, when somebody hears that, they're going to be like, dude, this, this dude's freaking crazy. But it was like a full on ego death where like, I wasn't even identifying like as a person, like as Talon anymore. And in that moment, like, I remember my friends looked at me and are like, you look like really peaceful and calm. And I just remember wanting to just like curl up in a chair and just like literally close my eyes and like pass away. Like in that moment, I was just like, I, I do not need to be like, a person like a thing i just need to like in like be so peaceful and just like be one with everything and i just accepted like my own death like that's some shit that like when you come back from that like you, you just don't you don't, don't see the world the same anymore like it's uh i'd say that was like so profound to the point where it's, it's helped me just like actually accept that i'm gonna die one day like already experiencing that ego death it's it, it was a very intense experience Here's a question connected to some of this, but that that can shift us off of this for a second. Let me ask you this, dude. And I think this happens over in Europe, actually. So maybe your travels abroad, you, you may have thoughts or have heard about this and know more about this. I think there was like a documentary on this. Have you ever heard of certain countries and certain places that... Um, let me actually just start with the question. There's an argument that can honestly be made. And I'm being very literal when I say this too. Like, here's an example. My I have ADD, if you can tell. My brain goes into like six different waves of thought. Um, I have like I have what you call Kanye West brain, where like he's like going one freaking rant and like seven things happening. Uh our dog, our dog passed away this past weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And Part of the thing that I said to my fiance around why we needed to put him to sleep was because it was now turning into an egotistical us thing versus a, hey, he's going to have a good quality of life thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it made me in that moment, for whatever reason, think about human beings in the same way. Now, but, but in a different context, I've had thoughts constantly, not really about myself, just for the general human being human beings in existence. That's what we know, human beings. If you are done with life in the way that you just said, ego death, if you're just done with life, not in a bad way, you've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish professionally, you're fine with that. You are fine with the amount of love that you've given your your your, your family. You're fine with the amount of you know, information and development you've given to your children. You're fine with the amount of finances you've accomplished in life. You, you, you're, you're fine with the amount of sex you've had. You're fine with the amount of love you've given your partner. 
you're fine with the amount of entertainment and enjoyment and foods and drinks and, and amazing things that the world can bring you in that medium. You're fine with everything that you've accomplished in life. There is a real argument that could be made. And I think this is happening in Europe and other places where you're like, I'm done. I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'm a healthy man. Mm, yep, I did it. I'm good. And you go to a center and they put you to sleep and I'm done. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could be crazy, but I think this is, I think this is legal in certain places. I know that to be true. And yeah. I know there are literal centers that do that mm-hmm. because the egotistical selfish version of that, when our friends and family and our kids say, Hey, no, don't do that. Like you have to live on, you have to keep fighting. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not actually depressed. I'm not fighting guys. I'm just, I'm just done. I've, I've done it very similar to how a, a, a football player in soccer or an American football player or a basketball player says, yeah, I've played 18 years and I'm, I'm done. I've accomplished everything I wanted. What's your thought on that? Cause like, if you really sit here and think about it, dude, it, it, it might not be that fucked up. Yeah. The, I've never like really given this too, too much thought from like, I, I have looked at this from the perspective of people who are chronically ill. Like Victor Frankl has this book. I think it's called, um, it's, it's something called like um, to live a life in spite of everything or something like that. I'm butchering the name. It's, it's something along those lines. And he talks about like euthanasia is what it's called, where people are chronically dying of cancer and they're able to go to a clinic and be put down. And his arguments are that maybe it's not what we should do. And because people assume that like when you're suffering and you have no happiness and no joy, life is not worth living. But that's because they're forgetting that like life isn't all about happiness and joy like it's also about meaning and that someone who is suffering can find meaning in their suffering and they can still find purpose while they're suffering and i thought that was a really profound way to think about it is even if you were on your deathbed and you were to keep fighting and say there's like there's meaning in overcoming the suffering there's a reason for me to do this i think that's very powerful now like i've never really thought about this to to the extent that you just said though it's so fascinating because on the surface as crazy as it sounds and like maybe people are going to disagree with me it doesn't actually sound as that crazy and this is how i arrive at that conclusion is life is really all about just overcoming or getting to the top of the next mountain we're adaptable creatures like hedonic adaptation adaptation is very real you re- you want something really bad you want to make more money you get $100,000 a year. It's really awesome for a month or two. Now you want 250. You really want like a brand new 2020 Toyota or something. You get that Toyota. It's cool for a month. And now you're like, oh, I wish I would have bought like a different truck. And now I want the next one. And not just with material possessions and money, but I think that it's a part of the human condition to adapt. And that in, and this is a part of coming back to our first part where we said that life's not a, like you can be happy even though you have all these external problems is adaptation like is a problem and we're always going to have problems because we're not always going to be happy with like what we have we're always going to want more so i look at it as growth and like getting to the next mountain is the it is the way like the classic cliche advice of this is it's not about the destination it's about the journey and we hear that all the time but it's true because we adapt that no matter what you accomplished, you're always going to want to strive for more. And it's interesting to hear that someone would just say, you know what, I've finally done it all. And I'm just, 
I'm going to go here and be put down. Like I'm ready. There's, there's no more for me to overcome. And I've heard other people like, um, like authors and, and people who are a little bit older say, you know, I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. And I've accepted that I could pass away at any point and that's okay. There's still things that I want to accomplish. I want to go even further, but I just know that that's the process. Like that's how we are as humans. I'm always going to want to go further. So there's never going to be a day where I'm just going to accept that and be like, it's time to die now. And it's interesting to hear that some people get there where they just overcome, like they, they do, they do it all. And in their mind, they're like, I've lived the human experience and it's time to go out on a high. I, it's something I think I need to actually think about a little bit more because it's uh it's kind of a bit of a mind fuck actually. It it is a mind fuck because you know I think because it goes back to what happened with our dog this weekend, right? Like mm-hmm. you know he was fourteen years old, good old Maxie. Oh man, I'm, I'm about to cry. Uh, he was a good dog, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and he was in my fiance's arms and. The way they do it now, I don't know if you ever put a dog down, but they're like, if it's a small enough dog, you can hold him as they hook up the IV and put him to sleep and kill him. And you can rub his head and make sure he's calm. And, you know, we were there as he took his last breath and he closed his eyes. And, you know, my fiance recently, even today, because she's completely tore up. She's had the dog since she was, you know, 10 years old or whatever the case is, or eight or whatever. Um, And so she was questioning, well, did we do it too fast? Should we have taken him home? Should we have waited a couple of days and just spent some time with him? And, and I told her that, um, that's a very egotistical, selfish point of view that I love you for under, for, I love you for saying that. I know where you're coming from, but he would not have wanted that. Yeah. He was clearly in pain. His back was, he had fract, he had, he had fractures in his hips and his back and his spine. He, he could barely walk any longer. He couldn't even, you know, he couldn't hold any food down. I mean, he was done. He was done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we wanted him to keep going. We wanted him to keep living, but he was done. And I think that's the same that can be said for humans. And I, and, and I think, I think it's wrong when you get to that point from a negative place. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think there is an argument that could be made, even if it is negative, like, like I'm, again, not to bring my mom, you know, my mom, you know, is dealing with some stuff again. She called me today about some things like kind of connected to what we talked about yesterday. And, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't cross my mind in that moment. But as we're talking about it, I'm thinking to myself, like, there is a possibility where she's like, and I don't think she would ever do this, but not to get too dark. But like, I get it. I get it. Sometimes you're like, I'm exhausted. I've given it a valiant effort. I've tried, I've made the money I wanted to make. I've experienced the foods and the, and the, and the experiences I wanted to experience. I've, I've supported the people that I want to support it. I'm, I'm okay. And, um, there is a level of peace in that, that I think people are afraid of. And like you said, I got to think about it more and really understand what I'm really trying to say of why I think it is okay. Mm-hmm. But there is a part of me that does believe it's okay. You know? no i i do like i when i when you first said that i'm I'm like no, actually like with even what i know about adaptation and just the human condition my initial thoughts are like maybe that's actually not the worst thing but not saying i think where, where we're at right now just to be very clear too is that neither of us are saying we should allow it or shouldn't we're just really entertaining the thought of you know what what is this like something that's okay and i think it's really cool that we're doing that and at the uh, underneath like the whole conversation it sounds like what we're really talking about is acceptance 
and and what what that means for us as people and like for the human condition like i'm I'm really sorry to hear about your dog especially having to like hold him in in your arms as as he's put down like that would be an extremely difficult thing to go through so i'm sorry to hear that and yeah accepting yeah and, and acceptance is acceptance is tough like even we're kind of pulling away a little bit now i'm taking a little bit of a tangent with it but like we're, we've been talking about death and like the acceptance of our own death and acceptance like yeah you know what this this life was great like now it's time to go but acceptance even goes into other topics too like when relationships are ending and having the ability just when we know that it's like that it's time for something to end our ego really wants to hold on to it you were saying with your dog is you know, we really want him around. Like we love this dog. It, it's, it, it comes from a similar place of like being in a relationship with a partner where you're like, I really love my partner and I really am thinking about all the good times, but this relationship needs to end and I just don't want to accept it. Like I think that learning to accept what is and what needs to happen is a very valuable skill that is very, very hard to develop. What do you think about that? How, how do you how do you learn to develop it? What do you think about that? How, how how do you go about that process? Is it is it is it just a multitude of experiences and, and you failing and learning from those failures? How do you how do you develop develop that skill? How do you learn that? So I, I could tell you a story on this one. So there was um there was a girl that I was seeing uh, probably like a year and a half, two years ago now. And she had just got out of a relationship and we met through like friends of friends and we started seeing each other and we were having a great time and she was, she was really fun to, to spend time with. I did really enjoy being around her. We were enjoying each other's company. And one night, um, like she gets up and she just goes to the balcony and she's sitting there and I can tell that she has something on her mind. So I go out and chat with her and she says, you know, I just got out of a relationship and I'm having like a really good time with you, but I told myself, that I, I wouldn't just jump into something else and that I would, I would take my time to be single because that's what I need. And I, I feel the pull to want to have a relationship with you because I do see us together. But at the same time, I made a promise to myself that I'm just, I'm not in the place where I can do that, but I really want to. And in that moment, I'm almost at like a crossroads. I'm like, I think that we could talk about this and negotiate, I guess it's kind of a weird word about relationships, but we can negotiate on like, how do we make this work for both of us? Cause this is really important to me. But in that moment I sat there and I thought, okay, if I take myself out of it, what is the best thing for this other person? And I, I felt like the best thing for, for her was that she actually did need that time to heal and to find herself and to be single and like overcome some of her demons and just work through some things and do some healing. And that if I was, just kind of negotiated my way into this relationship, then those might always be there. So to answer your question, I think the way we get to acceptance is when we actually take ourselves out of the equation and ask ourselves, what is the best thing for this other person? It can feel really bad to walk away and to accept it. But at the same time, if you lean into it, you can always remember that you were the person who did the right thing for somebody else. And I remember walking home from her house and it was late at night and it was a weird feeling. So I'm like, I just ended things with this girl that I had this incredible thing with and we we were having so much fun and like I could have seen myself with her and I just accepted that it wasn't the right time and I didn't fight it. And it actually made me feel good 
I was like, I did the right thing. Like, I truly believe I did the right thing for her. I didn't like do necessarily the selfish thing that I wanted, which was to try to get this relationship to work. I just leaned into the discomfort and accepted it and said, I'm going to be the guy who does the right thing. And I can walk away from this feeling better about myself, knowing that that was the right decision to do. And, uh, I think she took some time and she ended up finding someone else. And from what I see, I I don't talk to her too much. She's in like a really happy relationship now, a year and a half later. And I have no regrets on that decision. I I just leaned into it. And that that's uh, I hope that makes sense the way I explained that. No, that was a beautiful story, man. That was a, that was a perfect, that was a perfect breakdown. You know, what came to mind for, for whatever reason. And again, I apologize if this throws you off, but Mm -hmm. this is a little bit about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is connected to acceptance, acceptance and connected to um, just genuinely wanting to see your partner or human beings in general be happy for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think when you have the ability, and that's what I really chalk it up to what you just did, like when you have the ability to say, you know what, I just want to see them purely happy and just take me out of it. I just want to see them happy for whatever happiness is for them that's a level of empathy and a level of real love that I think uh, more people need to tap into, right? Because I think so many people want to see their partners happy because their partner loves them and the things mm-hmm. that are connected to them and not just love the fact, not love your their partner for what their partner wants to love or what their partner deems as love. I think they're mm-hmm. egotistically and selfishly connecting love to what the variables that their partner loves inside of them and they're pulling and extracting from their partner. So I appreciate what you did. Um, the, the the question I'll, I'll throw to you here is, do you have any gut reactions on open relationships? Um, so I've that. actually, I've tried it before. I have. Um, it doesn't work for me. And I think it's an interesting topic. And um, where I've I've arrived to on the open relationship front is, I think that maybe some people are more wired for it than others, but I always come back to the question of if you're really like satisfied and fulfilled with one person, then why do you want more? And I think that it stems from something I truly believe about like male psychology is that men will always desire other women, even when they're in marriages that they're happy with. And where I arrive at that is evolutionarily, I do believe that men have evolved to like spread their genes. And, you know, back in the day, it was like sleep with as many women as possible. You know, kids might pass away. Conditions are rough. Spread your genes. The survival of your genes is everything. I think where we're at now is our society has outpaced evolution, but men still have that desire for other women. And I think what we do with that desire determines our character. And to be in a long-term relationship with one person I think is more meaningful and allows you and actually here's why I think it's more meaningful. So I'm kind of like in a roundabout way answering your question is right now, like there's so much opportunity in, we'll say the dating market. There's so many women, there's so many men and people say, well, I don't want to choose this one person because there's so many people out there. What if there's someone out there that's better for me? And I think you take the question and you flip it on its head and you say, even though there's a lot of people I could be with, I'm going to choose to be with you. And I think that's what makes the relationship extremely special. And I think that a lot of people can't arrive there. And I think it's really unfortunate because I think they're leaving one of the most meaningful journeys of their life 
um, on the table. Mm, all right, so let's 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 talk about this, right? Because that's interesting. I don't, I don't think we're going to have a debate. I think we're just going to share a couple different perspectives. Because it's not that I don't agree with you, but here's here's some other context. So, mm. my fiance and I are in, in, in an open relationship. Okay, but we're in it from this angle. Now I get multiple angles, so I'll, I'll lay the land for multiple angles of what I believe open relationships are, and I'll talk about the psychology element of them as well. Okay. So, so my fiance and I, she's attracted to women, and she she just objectively has sex with women, mm-hmm. but we do it in a way where, and I'm fine with both versions. I'm going to explain. We do it in a way where we're kind of like a, and this seems so immature, but I think we need to we need to bring a little bit more fun and energy to this this episode. So <laughs> yeah. we do it in a way where it's it's uh how do I want to say this respectfully? <laughs> we do it in a way where it's like a little bit more of like we'll be out for like here's an example we'll be out at dinner right. This has happened the other night right. We didn't end, end up doing anything, but it crossed our mind. The, the the server she had beautiful eyes really nice body and I looked at my fiance and she looked at me like you want to you want to try to finesse this situation here you want to see what we can do it's kind of like yeah. it's like a it's like another bro <laughs> kind of like yeah. it's kind of mm-hmm. like a homie but mm-hmm. so we do it from that angle we're like we're kind of tag team and try to like inevitably make a move if you want to think about it from that angle which is so fucked up to say but that's what we do <laughs> uh, yeah yeah. We also do it in situations where like she'll have like legitimate best friends and like sisters of person, like, people that are in our weddings and mm-hmm. we'll 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 make situations occur that way as well. Um, mm-hmm. because there's no there's no awkwardness of trying to build up the process and do it all that like that whole way. And then mm-hmm. we also have the green light where I'm fully comfortable if, like I can wrap my head around her having an and completely different and, and and real legitimate wife or girlfriend like i i'm all the way on that end um mm-hmm. and so that's how we do our situation um i started that when i was like 21 22 i did a lot of research i listened to every podcast imaginable i read every mm-hmm. book imaginable i did a lot of mm-hmm. research into the psychology and and how i got to it is i i clicked this thing called remove ego like i clicked it i said yep i gotta remove my ego from it just because in a moment she wants to have sex with a girl or just because in a moment a girl emotionally can give her things that I personally can or cannot or she does or does not want from me doesn't mean she doesn't love me for what we are and doesn't mean we are not whole in the definition of how she views us. And when I click that in my brain, the level of empathy and pure happiness I have for her increased to another level where I just objectively want her to have an experience sexually, emotionally, whatever it is that she wants, that doesn't take from me. And we've looped it around on the other side as well, for me personally as well, where there's a way I could wrap my head around having two wives, right? Because here's my, here's my, I guess not a debate, but here's my ping back to you. It's not that I don't agree with you when you say, you know, we're whole, right? It's not that I don't agree with that, you know, you know, your, your partner should be able to make you whole. I don't, I don't think it's possible, Talon. Like, let me, let me break this down. Like, I'll just be very vulnerable. I'm marrying my fiance because of the perspectives and ideals she has as a mother. 
a caretaker and a provider. Um, she's a very balanced, very timid, relaxed, you know, no risk human being. And I need that type of a balance in my life. Um, she's just a good soul and a good human being. We're best friends. Um, there's many reasons Like I could just rattle off many, many reasons, but there are certain elements that she can't provide, right? She doesn't, she doesn't fulfill me in the spot the spontaneity and spontaneity and in the, in the, in the adventure aspect of it. Right. She doesn't fulfill me when it comes to, um, she doesn't fulfill me when it comes to even certain like, um, comedic elements at times, or she doesn't, or, 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 or artistic interest or business interest or introspective conversations. Like we don't have introspective deep conversations like this very often. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a way in my mind where I could wrap my head around, you know what, Sydney, you are that for what I need right there. And then Sarah, you are going to do this with the, you know, I could wrap my head around, I call it separate tracks. I could, I could set up set separate tracks for each partner and be objectively okay with that. And I think she's finally realized that with me. I give her these five core things. And then she has a partner right now. Right now she has a girl that gives her those three things and that's okay. And, mm-hmm. and so I don't believe there's a partner out there that can fulfill everything that you're looking for. Hence why I think the open relationships have been existed where if you can just remove the ego and remove the, the ownership variable of another human and what that other human can bring or what you think you're supposed to bring to that human and just be purely happy around what they deem as happiness and do your part to get them there and mind your business around everything else and have strong communication and honesty, mm-hmm. I think there's something there. And, that, and that's where we are currently. Um, we've been on that way for about a year and a half now. And I'm not going to lie. It was very, there's a lot of onboarding. <laughs> like think about it from a job. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a six month onboarding process <laughs> that takes heavy conversation, heavy internal communications, right? Heavy, heavy, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, heavy, heavy process creation, right? Um, heavy strategy. There, there's a lot of, you know, onboarding and ramping up, but once you're ramped up, it, it's, it's pretty smooth sailing with, with high levels of communication. So what, what's your thoughts on that? I, I, okay. Initially, I really like that you said, we're going to have a difference of perspective, but we're not going to debate because, I actually don't disagree with anything you said, even though we're coming from different places on this. And uh, I'll speak from my own experience of doing the open relationship thing is, man, the whole like loving people for who they are and not looking at them as something that is owned and dropping your ego. If if you want to like truly put that to the test, like go into an open relationship because it will test your ego like crazy. And that is what my biggest takeaway was from doing an open relationship was there was times where like I would like be on a date with my girlfriend in the morning. She would go out with like another guy, hook up with him and then come home, hop into my bed and we would like fall asleep together. And like there's the first couple of times it happened. I was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is the weirdest thing. And like, it, it's this weird, like ownership of like, oh, well, like if she was really happy with me, like, why did she need somebody else? But when you really drop the ego and you're just like, I'm doing me, I'm secure with how I am. And I love this person unconditionally. 
I actually do think it can work. I do. And where I think we, we probably align is like, I see your perspective and I don't disagree with it. It's that I just learned from doing it, that it wasn't what I wanted. So although I'm more of an advocate for like one person in marriage, I think that's more of a manifestation of my personality and just what I want. And I understand your whole reasoning for the open relationship where, you know, in the modern world, like we expect so much out of our partners. We want them to be our best friend and we want them to make our life exciting. And But we also want them to be there for us during the tough times. And we want them to make like so much money and to be a great mom and to have an incredible family. And like, it's, it's almost gets unrealistic where you're like, how can one person meet all these needs? And I can understand how you might say, Hey, this one girl's kind of fiery and this one girl's more like water. And it, you know, this works. Like we've all, we've communicated openly. We're honest. Our intentions are good. Like your intentions aren't, yeah, like I'm with this chick and she doesn't quite cut it. So I'm just going to go bang other chicks on the side. It's like, you're communicating openly about your needs. You're being very honest. You're being very vulnerable. And it sounds like both of you are, and you've arrived at a place of just mutual love and understanding where you make it work. And that's how your relationship works. And honestly, just hearing the story, I'm just like, dude, good for you, man. Like anyone who's really happy in a relationship, I'm super happy for. And I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, everything you said makes complete sense to me. I just realized through doing it that I wanted to have a different relationship. And I, I think that might just come down to my personality and what I want. And I think everyone's a little different. No, I, I totally agree. And it, it is very much personality based. Um, I'll tell you this too, to wrap up this part, and then we'll do some rapid fire on some of these, some of these, uh, some of these topics here. Mm -hmm. I will say this. Do not ever try to expedite anything we just said on this call, guys. Anyone listening, do not try to expedite this open relationship thing. Uh, there's a there's a friend there's a there's a couple out here list that listen to this podcast that they'll know they'll last when I say this. Um, they have, I think, in my personal opinion, I think they've tried to expedite this a lot, and there's been bumpy roads along the way that my fiance and I didn't experience because I think you know since I had done a lot of research around it and I had done a lot of thinking about it prior to even being with my fiance, I had kind of like primed my brain and like created these, these modes of, of, of learning and development, if you will, and, 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 and upskilling, if you will, like thinking of like, honestly, from like a business perspective, I, I created this, this slow methodical onboarding process where I facilitated this, this world that we were living because in the beginning, she'll tell you firsthand, she thought she felt every bone in her body that she was cheating. And she kept telling herself, no, like, I'm not really a lesbian. Like, I don't, like, I'm not bi. I, I, like, what we're doing is different. Like, no, that's not true. Uh, like, I, I only can be drunk and like, no, that's not. And she just kept telling me, I was like, stop telling, your, stop telling yourself these stories of what you think you have to tell yourself and just feel in your heart what you actually want in this moment. And let's talk about that and let's facilitate that and let's build some communications around that, around that core essence. And she's at the point now where, no, you're not cheating. <laughs> no, you've communicated. Yes, you're allowed to have emotions about this other person. No, that's not wrong. Yes, you're allowed to have an orgasm with someone without feeling bad. It's, 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 it's called chemicals. <laughs> it's called a body. It's called, you know, 
Um, you are not the creator of this, of this, of this physical being that you are. You are nothing more than a human being trying to do the best that you can do. And, and what you feel in the moment, um, it's not my responsibility to judge that. It's my responsibility to, it's my responsibility to facilitate as much happiness and as, and, and as much peace as, as I possibly can. Um, and, and to trust you and to love you and to support you. And the only thing that we can build into this to, to keep us, you know, good and strong is heavy communication. And if we can do that, and if we can trust each other's boundaries or, or, you know, cause at the end of the day, talent also like, let's not, you know, when I say a removal of ego, maybe I think we start with 60% of it in every relationship. I'm probably at like 19%, mm-hmm. right? Like, don't get me wrong here. We still have boundaries that, that we've built, right? Like I'll give you, I'll mm-hmm. give you one. If she needs to come home and do it, like if it happens in this house, keep that door unlocked. <laughs> Cause I'm coming in talent. Yeah, <laughs> I am coming. I'm walking through that door and not in a bad way, but in totally like a frat boy dude way. Like, like, why would I not want to see that? <laughs> like, 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 why would I not love that and experience that? And so she chuckled about that and was like, yeah, I get it. Like I'm leaving the door open. <laughs> so, so things like that is what we've created. But, um, but yeah, those are my final thoughts on that. If you have any others. Yeah, there's, well, there's a couple of things in there that you said that I think we can pick apart a little bit. And I like that you said, um, like what about cheating? And I never really thought about it till you just said it, but cheating is a lot about like lying and betrayal. And what you're doing has no hint of lying or betrayal if you're being honest. And I think that's what differentiates the open relationship from a monogamous relationship where someone sleeps with someone else is in the monogamous relationship, the underlying agreement is we are committed to each other. We do not share our bodies and those types of experiences with other people. And when someone breaks that, you're betraying your partner's trust and you're going against your word and you're breaking your commitment. But in an open relationship, it's not cheating because the intent behind it isn't the same. It's You're not breaking your partner's trust. You're, you're so respecting their boundaries and you're being very honest and communicating it openly. And uh, I just connected that dot in my head how that is what would differentiate an open relationship from cheating is essentially the contract and the intention. No, you're totally right, brother. You're totally right. And I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have too much else to say. It's just communication. It's heavy communication. It's heavy honesty. It's heavy. It's heavy all of that. So kids listening, adults listening, do not expedite it, okay? Take your time. Be patient. Communication. Um, and and remember, ego, you know, E-G-O. So those those three letters, that word is, a, is an incredible, incredible, mm-hmm. incredible, uh, it's an incredible word to, to unpack and, to, and to, to, to kind of figure out where that plays a, a part in your life here. Um, mm-hmm. let, me, let me throw this at you here. What, um, what are your thoughts on one of these topics you picked? You said, uh, the deeper you heal, the brighter your future is. What was the first thing that came to mind when you saw that? First thing that comes to mind on that is the deeper, like the more you heal, the more control you get over the direction of your own life. And uh, I'm like, man, that's, that was cool. Like when I read that and I thought that I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to unpack that a little bit is 
back before I healed and I was being very reactionary, I would say like I wasn't happening to life. Life was happening to me. Like I was on the board and someone else was moving my piece around because whenever anything happened, just through this, like these patterns and this unconscious programming, I'm just reacting and like, oh, like this person got mad at me. So I'm going to get mad this, uh, you know, my girlfriend did this and it really upset me. So this is how I'm going to react. And I, I feel like the more we heal and we uncover and like work through these unconscious patterns and make them more conscious we gain the ability to make more decisions for what we actually want long-term instead of just reacting to what's happening in the moment. And that's where I think healing is so important. Like once you heal and you have a different pattern, you can arrive at a place where somebody gets mad at you and you can pause for a second and say, well, what's the result that I want here? Like now you're happening to life. You're, you're no longer being moved on the board. You're moving yourself on the board. And I think it's very powerful. Mm. That's so true, brother. That's so true. What uh, what's, what's your favorite part of summer? Or or My actually, part of summer? Let, me, let me back up. I apologize. Not your favorite part of summer. What's your favorite summer ever? Because I think I I incorrectly read that uh that topic off. Yeah, this one, this question too that you sent me beforehand. The thing I thought was interesting about this is I live in like the California of Canada. This is going to make things a little bit lighter. Like I could walk to the lake in five minutes and have like an amazing beach there's like boats everywhere like it's there's this it's sunny it's like plus 30 plus 40 it is like the california of canada where i live and i've lived here for quite a few years and then there was one summer when covid happened that i went out to alberta in uh in edmonton alberta and it is like an oil town it's flat it's windy the place is just like compared to where i live in this like paradise it's like not the place you want to go. It's super cold. There's not really anything there, but just a bunch of buildings. But I still had the best summer of my life there, which is crazy because I just, I went there to see my brother who I hadn't seen in years. And I just stayed with him for, I think like a month, two months. And we just like caught up. We went and like worked out together. We both, uh, we'd get up in the morning and we'd read a book together. And then we'd like finish our coffee and say, all right, two hours of like work. Let's crush it. Let's get our goals. And it really showed me that I could live anywhere in the world as long as I was with incredible people. If I was with incredible people doing, just working towards something meaningful, I could live anywhere, which is why that that sticks out as my favorite summer I've ever had. It's not this crazy paradise um, that everyone can imagine, like sitting on a beach, sipping margaritas. It was being in like this crappy, cold city, just with people I love doing things that were meaningful. What do you, what do you do? What do you do day to day? Like, how do you spend your time? I never asked. Day to day, like right now, I'm in the middle of launching a, um, like a course actually with some business partners. Uh, this is something we haven't really talked about on the podcast at all, but I am like a real estate investor and that's something I've been doing for quite a few years. So we're launching a whole education portion around real estate and just day to day, I just like taking on new challenges. That's currently my new one. Growing on Twitter right now is a big one. I'm really enjoying Twitter and branching out into that self improvement community. And that's that's my day to day, man. With the real estate, that's that's been working out well enough. Where like that's that's like that's like what you do. Like it's worked out to to, to that level where um, you're able to like survive financially off of it. Yeah, yeah, like it's. There's other stuff I do as well, like side hustles, but I made a lot more off of my real estate investments uh, last year than I did off of any like earned income I did job wise. So I, I do things more um, right now for their own sake. 
as opposed to like strictly financial, but I do have financial goals I'm working towards. But yeah, real estate's been really good to me. Really interesting. I might have to pick your brain on that though. You're in a different country, so it may not actually pertain, but you probably have some core principles that you can provide, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Conversation for another time. I'd love to chat with you about real estate. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up this way. What, you know, I've been throwing, I've been throwing some questions out here like this to folks recently. What, what questions do you have for me? Do you have any, you know, I've reached out to you randomly, you know, I have this podcast that's, uh, that's slowly growing here. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I think from a, I think if I'm not like, if, if I'm not me and I'm just looking at the the podcast from afar, the way I would analyze it is I think it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. You know, we, we have the music, we have the, actually, let me throw this at you. Do you, have you, have you, have you looked through the, have you looked through the content and like, what are your thoughts on like the artwork? Like I, I like I'm, it's actually the, if I'm like bragging here, I actually appreciate my, I think I have a really keen eye on art. What, what's your thoughts on like the, the different selection of artwork? If you've even scrolled through some of the episodes and, and even the one that I picked for us. Yeah. I, I remember scrolling through on Spotify and I was mainly just looking at the topics and, and whatnot. So the artwork I didn't pay as much attention to uh, the artwork that for our first episode, it's interesting. It reminds me, like it almost feels very biblical mm. and it's something that uh, back when I used to do music, I used to do all my artwork based off of more like biblical scenes. Cause there, I just think there's a lot of really cool, like when you see those pictures, like there's a lot of mental imagery involved, like, Oh, what could be behind that? Like the very deep images. Mm. And I, I only got to quickly glance at the one that you chose last night when I seen you sent it to me, but I was like, Oh, that's a really cool take it. That my, my first thought was like very biblical. Yeah. Yeah. So any, any questions you have for me as before I get you out of here, any, any questions, any thoughts, you know, I, you know, I, I play this kind of like, you know, I don't turn the video on often, you know, you don't see my picture, you know, even though I did pin it up against the, uh, the Twitter there, you know, we're slowly, but slowly growing here. So not too many followers, um, though I do have other mediums and how I get some downloads for the actual podcast itself. So that's worked out, but you know, there's not too much information on, I don't know. Any any questions based off of now kind of getting to know me and talking to me for a few hours? Any any questions you have? Yeah, like I remember in our introductory chat, you were telling me about what you do and everything. And then the podcast is like uh, supplementary to yeah. it. Is the podcast for you like strictly a passion project? Because I've done podcasts before and they are a lot of work. So what makes you want to put so much like time and effort into it and prioritize it above other things? Yeah, man, it is a passion project. It you know, I did a, I, I told you, I did almost 600 episodes in my other world, right? So like in my business world, I did 600 episodes mm-hmm. of the year. I probably spoke at 50 or so conferences, another, another 30 or so fireside chats. I've done a lot of talking just in like the, the, the media sector. So I'm very comfortable in the medium. Um, but this particular podcast, yeah, it's, it's a venting tool. It's, it's a place where, I finally get to be myself. I I won't lie to you though. And I would love any candid feedback you have for me. I think I'm good enough at this. And when I say podcasting, I know I'm decent at like just the overall art of podcasting and having conversations, but I think I'm good enough at the art slash at the structure of this particular podcast and the way that I'm doing it with the artwork and the music and the various topics I, I do have a gut feeling where, where if I do some of what you're doing right now, which is spend a lot of time figuring out the Twitter game, 
do what I know I can do. We're taking it onto TikTok and doing other things, getting into the Instagram ads, being strategic about it, figuring out partnership models, figuring out a way to get, I don't want to call it bigger guests, but guests that'll drive a little bit more of a listenership strategically. Um, maybe find a maybe find a partner to do some other some other branding. I I am wondering if I want to get into that. I am wondering if I want to make podcasting my life. Like that is something I have been pondering. Where it's like, you know, because frankly, I'm being honest with you. You know, I'm burning out with business. You know, I have a I got almost a forty thousand dollar deal on the table that's been literally like I'm literally about to shoot myself in the head. And I don't mean to be that like that aggressive, but like like I'm <laughs> freaking out with the level of stress mm-hmm. and the, the 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 team and the overhead and the payroll and the decisions and 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 the long hours and and I am wondering and again like any feedback you have like I am wondering do you love it enough yes are you good enough maybe are you charismatic enough do you hold enough of a great conversation is the structure of the podcast fluid enough. And I think all the answers are yes, because like on the last thing, and I'll let you kind of give your response. And the last thing, from what I've noticed, the podcasts that do well are twofold. They either go down really tight niches and rabbit holes where there's a deep community there, or it goes the mm-hmm. way I'm going, where you make it a community-based podcast. You bring on all different types of guests and you talk about all different types of topics. So now you're just jumping into so many different little mediums and communities where it just starts to grow organically. Like I could see a snowball effect in six months where it starts to catch fire just because of all the different people that I'm bringing on from a, a housewife in, in Orange County, Cal, you know, uh, California to my homie down the street to someone that's running a hedge fund to to you, to, to Issa, who's been a consistent guest, who is an amazing poet and, and author and writer to someone that works at like, as like the, like the chief of staff at A24 Films to, you see what I'm saying? That's to someone that does like behind the scenes work with Russ and plays in the A&R independent label thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm creating relationships in so many different mediums where any communities and any human beings that fuck with them, I could see them tapping into the podcast and be like, oh, this is a enough of a random, interesting spurt of energy that I could probably... Like I could see people checking into this just randomly based off of the original inflection point that they that they that they found it out by. So um, yeah, that's my answer to that. Yeah, that's interesting. I would agree that like you are good at doing the podcasting medium. Like you're very introspective, but you can also like joke around. Like you're very flexible in that way. So I think like having multiple guests and building that community is a really cool idea. It's uh, I know podcasting is quite a competitive medium, but if you take it that community angle and continue to bring on all these different people that can bring their own audiences into it. Yeah. Like in the long run, like even right now, I always look at whatever someone's doing as trajectory and potential. I always ask myself, okay, if they don't quite have it perfect yet, like no one ever does, are they the kind of person that's going to correct course along the way? And someone who's going to like listen to the feedback without ego, which, you know, we've talked a lot about ego today. We know that you're able to like take criticisms and feedback from your audience and a correct course and figure out like what's going to work. And I think from what you've told me and from our like brief introduction, 
you know, if you hit it really hard and put a lot of effort into it, you know, maybe this could be something that becomes quite viable. And if you start using TikTok and Twitter for outreach and growing that way and then funneling people into the podcast, you're only going to get more viewers because that's one of the biggest issues with the podcast is how do you do the outreach and get more more viewership? And those platforms would be great for that. No, I appreciate that, brother. I really do. Um, the last thing I'll say on that, and then we'll get you out of here. I think to take it seriously and and and, and stop using it as just a venting tool, I would definitely have to. Um, I would definitely have to end my businesses. I would definitely have to make a couple more smart decisions and, and give myself like a year runway financially where I can genuinely, like, like I, for example, hit you up and be like, hey, like, give me all the knowledge that you're learning around how to grow the Twitter. Twitter, Twitter medium there, um, pull on the other resources that I have. Like I put a little team together around me of, of editors and producers and, and a few EAs and put like a little four person, six person army around me. And I would probably take a crack at it. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering it. So, um, but look, Talon, I appreciate you, brother plug anything you want to plug. It could be a real estate. It could be, um, obviously what you're doing with personal development right now any of the future endeavors, plug anything you want to plug and uh, we'll get you out of here. Oh, and tell me your favorite, like what's your second favorite song right now? Ooh, my second favorite second song. Favorite song. Um, man, I listen, I listen to like the weirdest it's music. It's either like orchestral or like old school. Like, man, actually this might be my second favorite song. Can't believe I'm actually saying this one, but Larger Than Life by Backstreet Boys is such a banger. Like I'll, I'll hop on and do cardio in the morning and it's the song that is like, gets me pumped up to work on like growing my business, like become better. I'm just like, yeah, larger than life, larger than life. Come on, larger than life. And then that song just pumps me up. So I'd say that might be my second favorite song. That's cool. I'm going to put that on there. That's going to be, that's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to put that on the front and the back. That's cool, man. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, for a plug, I would say, uh, Twitter, like just at Taylor Simmons. Um, that's T-A-Y-L-I-N-S-I-M-M-O-N-D-S. Gene Simmons sewered me. Everyone spells my last name wrong and forgets the D at the end. So uh, anything that, uh, if you want to check me out, just check me out on Twitter. I'm doing self-improvement and relationships, just learning the game, getting better, growing, and uh, hoping to start a newsletter here pretty soon and just niching down more and finding more ways to help people. I, I feel like I have a lot to say and Hopefully there's um, some people out there that need to hear right now and I can connect with them and help them. And if, if you're interested in growing Twitter more, man, just uh, send me a message. We'll have to do another chat and we can, uh, I can share everything I know. As yeah. Right now. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch, man. I think whether it's the real estate, the Twitter, just, just, you know, we have a good vibe, man. I, you know, I want to genuinely build a relationship. So we'll find ways to help each other and stay in touch. And, um, I've, I like this so much. I know for a fact you'll be a repeat guest. I'll, I'll hit you up in like seven weeks and bring you back on. So um, we'll make it happen. Like last time, wait till the confetti. We'll end this and, and appreciate you, brother. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's uh, It's been an absolute blast, man. Looking forward to chatting with you Likewise. more.
found out yesterday And I'm in love and I don't know what else to say But thank you Lord for that sundress on that Saturday Walking barefoot down the beach Smell of the rain up in the air Smell of flowers in the air And I swear on my life If you need a joke, I'll be there You need a smoke, you take my spell I always thought you were far So what do you say when we're 26? Get married just for kicks and Move out to Alaska way up there Stacking bricks Stay at home with the kids And I'll bring the bacon back home to you, girl Making the best of this world Making the best of this life